I'm Alexandra Kreis and you're listening to Outer Travel in a Journey. Journeying now for 30 years into the life and practice of yoga, I have met many who have taken interesting turns when past extraordinary bumps and reached unexpected places. People with whom I shared conversations about everyday struggles, intimate realizations, larger questions, ideas and dreams. So today, I'm passing on the mic to one of them so we could hear and celebrate the wisdom in people's differences and experiences. A very warm welcome to Outer Travel Inner Journey. I am back here today with Sean Sloan. Hey, Sean, welcome back. Hi, Alex. It's great to be back. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, welcome to season two of this year. You've got really great, you know, like a lot of people mentioned you in, uh, in commenting on the show that they really got a lot out of it in between the personal insights and the practical understanding. And you helped a lot of people. And that's why we decided to come back together and talk a little bit about the other practices you do. Before we go there, for people who haven't heard about you, let me quickly mention you're based on the west coast of the U.S. in Oregon. Um, And you are, yeah, well, you don't call yourself a clinical practitioner, or you're a clinical practitioner, right? Yeah, um, it's it's more that, I mean, I, I have a degree as a master's in physical therapy uh, 27 years ago now so I am a physical therapist but I don't practice what most people would have a reference just doing physical therapy so it's really yeah a much more integrative body approach so you do an integrated healthcare um yeah less than just a manufacturer one you know which sounds like a yeah, like factory work at times. Or a lot of people industrialized complex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in movement, movement is key. Yes, absolutely. And that's what we talked about last time. We talked about how you know your movement can show how trauma has settled in your body and you know how important it is to also find physical relief and your kind of went even further down that (laughs) rabbit hole I want to say but it's not it feels like an onion it feels (laughs) off and off and off right yeah Yeah. and here is your next insight around breath and hiking that's what we want to talk about the summer is almost here and when you hear this show you probably always mid-summer but we all get out and about and we thought that might be a nice subject to kind of integrate your awareness into what you do maybe anyway as a hobby already or as a love for you know getting out and about out of your regular zones of comfort kind of let nature permeate you yeah exactly so yeah maybe we should start there you know we 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 always do a little bit of warm up, dear listener. You know, we have to kind of see where we want to go with this show. So, um, Sean and I kind of came across the idea that some of us use those hikes in nature to escape. So maybe we could 
kind of thought there. So what's your perspective on it? I mean, I was caught in it early on with that um, mentality and escapism or just trying to get away from, you know, my work day. So I lived in Western Colorado when I first graduated from PT school. And that was, you know, I, I chose to live out of town right mm. near trailheads because I worked 10 hour shifts in the hospital and, you know, that being a physical therapist in the hospital was very enjoyable, but also very demanding. And yeah. um, I didn't have the tools to meet that demand well, other than physical movement and getting out. And so that was sort of my solace was to just clear my body and mind by going hiking daily. And then when I would work like six, eight days in a row, I chose that schedule so that I would have six days off, <laughs> mm. you know, mm. and what, yeah. what would I do is I would get on the river or I would go, the, the canyon lands were so close. And, you know, for me, that was really a way to find some balance to uh, regular work life and the demands of working in a hospital. But I just, I, yeah. you know, that was separate. Yeah, and I mean, the reason why we all need holidays and do holidays is because we can't become so disconnected when we work. Like, I even know it, you know, like, no matter how intense your work is, or even when it's not even, but when it becomes really intense, you know, what do you do to return to yourself? And it feels like you want to strip everything off you. You want to kind of get out of the circumstances to find yourself again, you know, and Often we use, I mean, you mentioned that you kind of go into situations where you have to strive to survive, you know, like, and nature kind of calls for this, even if it's just looking at your endurance, it doesn't need to be a, a difficult hiking trail, but it could be also like finding yourself doing a longer walk than you literally would have, you know, when you go from your job to your house and uh, do all the other chores. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's interesting because. I didn't really come to this realization probably till about eight or nine years ago when I was doing multi-day trips, whether it was on foot or on in the water on rivers is that it almost took me like two to three days to, to settle down. Hmm. And, you know, I can't imagine that, you know, like, let's say you pay for a five day trip or you plan, you plan your holiday, you do all this, resourcefulness to get ready and three of those days are taken up yeah you're enjoying but this nervous system hasn't really dropped down and in to what nature really can do with you and and provide you and so mm -hmm. uh, that's where I started to realize like oh what what little things can be done in regular daily activity life, what can I do daily practice, you know, yoga or breath work, but try and figure out a way where I'm not spending three days trying to dial down on my adventure. Well, I totally hear you. And I hope you have a brilliant answer to this because I heard nervous <laughs> system now. <laughs> I have a few ideas. I've been hacking. Already. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, yeah. Sean. <laughs> yeah. I well, think I, this is where, 
your uh, new discovery comes in, you know, like where how we kind of can soothe the nervous system through being more in our feet, right? Is it where we are landing here? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think the feet are utmost important to mobility, number one, but also the feedback that comes from the feet to the nervous system. There are different things that occur when we aren't able to be down in our feet. And so those things can get set up in terms of, you know, it's interesting. I don't longer understand it as a dysfunction. Mm. I see it more as a adaptation or a compensation that someone takes on unconsciously for the most part, because these patterns are learned early on and we, you know, we can talk about cultural and family stuff, but it's, it's as if you start to inhabit your body in a different way. And then over time that compensation doesn't serve you and something begins to knock on the door in terms of pain or immobility, achy joints, or the endurance you talked about going on a trail. And so we don't really, we don't, we don't have a tangible way to understand it until something is not working the way we wanted it. And so how can we be aware of that? If we haven't, you know, like, I mean, we all can relate, including myself, you know, like the distortions in the hips are the first bits that one probably notice, and then the lower spine is affected. But how do you connect all that to the feet? So what is the impact and how, how do we get to know our feet besides the regular aches and pains, you know, of right. wearing a shoe for too long? How would you, you know, approach that? Well, I'll say one thing. I actually see things show up in the knees quite a bit. And hmm. that to me based on what I understand is the feet kind of, you know, they're this very adaptable. There's, you know, there's several bones within each foot and that adaptability and mobility and quick response time in terms of how do I adjust to my environment and balance and dynamic stability and all those things and play and that when that isn't available, one tries to stabilize and I see it in the knees and like you said, in the pelvis and the hips. But what's interesting about the knees is they relate to the diaphragm. Mm, okay. So the leg, there's a, there's, it, it's hard to explain this, but it's more of a bioenergetic process. But if somebody could do this while they're standing, listening to us is stand and take the tension out of your knees and mm. allow what you can into your feet and notice your mid torso, like your low ribs, you know, or just check your breath. Like, how does it feel to breathe? What's the quality? And then lock the knees back to stabilize, which most people do when they're not in their feet and notice the spine, torso and the quality of the breath. It is amazing how quickly mm. things will change because they aren't, they lock the knee, which has this sort of other level communication with the diaphragm. So is this what what you kind of pay attention to when you take people on trails or when you kind of, I, how do I stand, understand your second business? Is it something that you advise people in or are you taking people on hikes literally? 
it's more advising them through some personal movement program to get back to some more functional movement patterns, get them out of the adaptations that have, have developed in how they hold their body. Like I've had actually several clients of late that have the false belief that their spinal health is dependent on them holding their spine up. Hmm. Instead of uh, letting I mean, it work its own way um, through yeah. natural movements. Yeah, the support from the base. Like the, there's, I, I'm amazed, and it's and it's younger people, like in the 20s to 30s, early 40s, that for whatever reason, this this philosophy or this belief has been embedded into their mind that the only way their spine is going to stay healthy is to lift up. Kind of put a little pressure, pull the low ribs in, and pull the tummy in. So tell us more. You're pointing only to something that maybe the listener hasn't heard. <laughs> well, so that that tendency then shows up in terms of dysfunction in the lower limb. So the feet never actually get the power and the circulation mm. or movement, mm. and then your point of balance and your dynamic movement actually happens at the subtalar joint, which is just below the ankle and above the heel bone. There's a, there's a horizontal joint there and it, it doesn't have a lot of movement, but its ability to tolerate subtle changes in how your ankles move on uneven terrain or whatever, if mm. it's not there, you end up losing all of this fluid capacity in the upper body. So you become a stiffer tree and we know what happens to stiff trees in the forest. When the wind comes mm. down, they go, they don't have the flex and the play and the, you know, mm. the winds of, of nature and the winds of our lives end up creating a very mm. brittle uh, tree for lack of a better word. And so it's really encouraging people to get down in their feet. And, you know, I've been using actually body weight. I don't stretch. Hmm. I think a lot of people over, they strain to stretch. So what I use is I use body weight where I'll cross one ankle over another. I actually did some live sessions on Facebook recently going through sequence. People actually do in their tent hmm. where they can do, hmm. they get out of the car and they can do a few right before they go on the trail. And Or the, the warm-ups that we used to do in the shadow yoga, the churnings mm -hmm. are really amazing. I break them down in terms of the movements, the, the 10, how they actually work with different parts of the feet. Mm. And so, in, go ahead. So in some ways we're talking about, it reminds me immediately of all the principles, principles of martial arts, you know, that you're describing here. Um, that what a lot of people might know or have heard about is like, be like water, you know, like the, the moment you become stiff and soldier-like, you're, you're gonna be losing the fight because you're, you're not able to react uh, on impact. You're not able, you know, and even your mind becomes stiff that way. And my question to you was when you describe those uh, clients that are quite young and already are in, very severe holding structural patterns what was their first you know the egg or the hand you know did they start that or did something really kind of lift them off their feet you can't 
trace that back or yeah. what's your experience at this point of, in yeah. your journey with flying? That's a, that's a beautiful question. I, you know, I've had the chance to, it's a tough thing. You know, they're not in most of these people that I work with are online. So there's, there is some presence there, but early on when I'm trying to get people to drop down and in and get into their feet, they get quiet. And, you know, I don't really ask, but I can sense. And sometimes I ask if I have that relationship over a few visits and say, you know, this could potentially touch some traumatic events or some emotional upset. I've actually seen where someone was it's actually several times where someone's been very upset. They got fired at work or they had a, you know, they're in like with the COVID thing when everything was just so haywire in terms of, are we teaching? Are we not? And this person went to go to their car at the end of the day and they missed a step and tripped. Mm. This is locally. So I got to see them clinically and it turns out that the emotional upset and trauma that they were holding in the work they were holding as they walked. And when they tripped, it all consolidated into the ankle. And I didn't mm -hmm. see this person early on in the injury. She was probably six, seven months out and wasn't getting any better. Like she'd had the therapy, she'd done all the things she was told to do and it just wasn't moving. It wasn't having the mobility in the ankle. And they just said, oh, it's because you have torn ligaments. It's going to take a long time. Well, in fact, what it was, was that emotional tension impeded itself and get locked into the joint so you can have that where you've had an injury and let's say you were going through a divorce or you were running away from someone who was attacking you hmm. those tensions can show up in the joints and so you start to kind of see that as people are working with openings in very dense structures that are near joints those things come up and then are you saying they need treatment or are you saying that when they become more aware of their feet, like if they would use their feet in surroundings like nature that might stimulate also the parasympathetic nervous system that they kind of heal? Yeah, I, it's a very good question. I, what I, the way I usually guide people now is if it, if it surfaces in your consciousness or in a dream. So, and this goes for the people I work on on the table, but I'm also starting to touch this online is I, early on, I had a client that was 63. She told me I could tell this story. We worked in the legs, we worked in the belly, but I do very gentle work and I don't do any internal work. And she came to me for low back on her second visit. She came back and she said, Sean, what happened? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, that after my session, I went home, I cried. I um, couldn't be with my family and I had severe diarrhea. Hmm. And that night she had a dream of what had happened to her when she was four years old. And so it, it brought back that was held in the tissues. It was held in her knees and it was held in the pelvis near her sacrum. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that there was this, you know, it wasn't physical tension and I just helped yeah. to kind of move it. And so after that, I called my teacher at the time because this was 
I was early on in my practice and I'm like, what do I do? You know, cause it freaked her out and I had no idea. And he said, you know, and this is the guidance I give is that if it shows up in consciousness or it shows up at the door, like it revisits you like an old stranger, depending on your ability to be with it without pushing it away, because it's surfaced, it's come out, is your choice then if you need help to process this and work with it so that you don't re-embed it like a rubber band, then I encourage people to seek that. But if a person can work with it, be present to it, have a support system, if I get the chance to see them in the clinic, I can re, you know, I don't go searching, but as I'm working with the dynamic that I did the previous session and just checking movements that I was working with, if I notice that it's there again, then I would, or the person's not progressing, then I would encourage them. You know, I would have team members or other referral sources that, you know, I would um, help them because I think it's important that they have something there in front of them on their plate to work with rather than going in and mm. digging and mining for it. Mm. It just doesn't suit them. And it's not my job to tell them what the tension is in their body. I don't, I just, I don't oh. do that. I don't tell the story of what I feel as an emotional or traumatic thing. I literally, it's about movement and just redistributing yeah. the energy that's been held and then how do, how does it come to their consciousness? Mm. So I'm really careful that I, it's not my interpretation of what that energy is in the body because it's not mine. Mm. It's just, and that's, that's, that's from my preference. I just, I work much more efficiently that way. I mean, I'm sure there's very gifted practitioners that have that insight and have that relationship, but I just um, choose not to other mm -hmm. than can I get the motion moving? Mm. And, you know, have you noticed that whatever you give people around, like being conscious hikers, um, have you noticed that they had similar experiences or is it more, and I almost feel like a lighter way of getting in reconnected to these parts of your life that happened, but you might have forgotten about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there are, I think as I get into this business a little deeper and connect with more people, I think we will find that we all have had some level of trauma, some level of interference to being fully alive. Hmm. I, I really believe that that's the human condition is, at some point in our development, um, early childhood up to early adulthood, that there's an event or series of events that sort of like cause us to wall off and protect and we begin to minimize. And so as we explore ourselves more, and nature is one of those things where it's like, it permeates you. Mm. And you can use your time on the trail. You don't have to be toward this, you know, vigilant person to try and figure out your life. But when those waves come or when you're sitting at a lake 
in complete awe and something else touches you, I think we all have the potential for it to diffuse the things that have sort of confined us without even knowing. I think that's why a lot of people who like hiking go hiking. It's sort of like, I mean, to me, walking in nature is freeing myself of things I get kind of stuck in a rut with, mainly in my head, you know, and then I'll, it kind of allows me to feel a little bit more inspired. And I wonder how, is that physically connected? Because we are talking here about the subject of, you know, leaving your feet and kind of creating almost or recreating trauma because it jams up your whole system up to the diaphragm. That's what you said earlier. And then with the diaphragm, we talk about the nervous system immediately because it's been, you know, through the in and out breath, we stimulate the nervous system in one way or another. Um, is that what happens, you know, then with the nervous system, just the walking calms you down or is it because fresh air and it's a nice scenery most of the time? What are your insights? That's a, I think, all of it. <laughs> I mean, I really, it's like, I, you know, we're so uniquely different and we come from such different realms of how we operate in our lives. I mean, the whole thing, I mean, how do you, when you catch yourself in a thought pattern out walking in nature, what do you do? What do you do? Well, I think, uh, what do I do? Um, I think I focus, you know, when I find myself being caught up in, for example, negative thinking or kind of, you know, recruiting the horn of something that I don't like or where I'm stuck at, I, I often try to consciously breathe. That's what I'm noticing, you know, like I try to consciously uh, okay. breathe at that point and, and kind of shift my gaze into spaciousness because in the city and in the apartment, you don't have these kind of places of spaciousness to widen the horizon away from the truthful. Yeah. Yeah. I like that with the, with the breathing. That's one of the things with the breath work is be able to shift the mind to something that actually gives us a sense of living it gives us a sense of vitality um i remember early on i can't remember who told me this um i think it was actually an old rancher i was out in the blm lands and they would uh, round up the wild horses out in eastern oregon and they said you know you never try and confine a wild horse hmm. because it, it will kick and it will scream and it will hurt you it could kill you you got to give it space. So they would bring them into these huge round pins or, you know, maybe an acre lot fenced and just let them work themselves out until there was a place where they could connect to the human and find a way to, you know, whether it was just testing them or seeing if they were pregnant or if they needed to be tagged or whatever. I think the mind is that same way. Mm. And so I appreciate yeah. so much that you talked about changing to shift to something that allows you versus trying to control the thoughts and 
squash the thoughts and squeeze them out but you're at it almost like the breath sounds like it's a tonic for you hmm. yeah and i think and that's the well, same I... way with walking and movement in nature is it's that tonic or the fresh smell of you know there's i'll have to see if i can find the name there's a word for the scent of trees oh i didn't know that. yeah and that oh, it has okay. some you know we know all about the aromatherapies and but there's something about being in the forest it might be the Japanese with the forest bathing that they have hmm. talked about this idea of, of the senses really drawing the nervous system back to its core and back to its stable place of less reactionary, less periphery, all those kinds of things. Yeah, and you know, when you talk about living in the upper body and you know like trying to, to control something trying to do something i you know like i often have tried to land in my feet and i found it terribly hard in fact one of my experiences was when i went through my first you know like it was a church event big thing and i got really nervous performing and the next thing, you know, I felt my the hand of my mother on my shoulder because she had to put it there as a ritual kind of thing. And that uh -huh. moment only I landed in my feet. Truly, I can remember it like it's many, many years ago, you know, like decades. Uh -huh. But I remember it. And you talking about, you know, this kind of like being elevated up from your feet. And, you know, like I almost would say like states of, anxiety or heightened kind of nervousness you know where i feel that even with the shoulders but i feel that so much in the shoulders how yeah. can we come down into the feet what's your recipe yeah you know with that i love what it's really a, the trapezius <laughs> muscle is a ah. trap ah yeah <laughs> So the <laughs> it's the trap of trapping your life. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, absolutely. So, I, isn't that great? Like, yeah. So the, what you talked about the shoulders and how we tend to elevate and hold, but what do we do when we notice that our shoulders are up? What's, what's usually the tendency. And I'm curious about your, with your listeners and audience, like, when you notice or someone says, why are your shoulders up? What is, what is most people's first orientation to try and change that? To, to, I don't know, to, to just pull them down. Push them down. Yeah. Yeah. Or rub it or, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. well, I would suggest and give some insight into the base of your skull triggers that muscle to be more tense. So your relationship of your head over your base, and it's not a mechanical thing. It's like an, I call it the middle body or the inner body tube of, of your support rather than your back spine or your mm. hard front belly if you're trying to hold yourself in. But there's a place in the middle that like the palate and the pelvic floor relate to. So you have that piece, but also what I have found very successful is to release the armpits and the side ribs. Mm. Mm. They're the things that are pulling the thing up. And so what you find back, well, we talked about earlier about the holding yourself up, pulling yourself together, the, the stress response of elevating, that all mm. occurs in the ribs and the torso for the most part. 
and you see it in the armpits. And I, I really believe the armpits and the groins, the tissues there have a deep layer of protection. Mm. They relate yeah. to, to the more intimate parts of our heart lung and into the reproductive organs and the elimination organs. And I think that these areas have a, a propensity when we need to protect or we need to wall ourselves off from the demands of our, of our lives, that that's where we go. And what does that do that? Yeah. It shuts yeah. you off from your mm. hands and your feet, which are related. <laughs> They're yes, very they related. Yeah. yeah. And it brings it back, because we've been talking for a while now, I think <laughs> um, it, it brings me just back to maybe kind of do come full circle in like when we when we work a lot and we going out into nature to reconfigure ourselves, you know, and there is, um, there's one part where we've been very protective probably around everything that we show to the outside world. And so that's why we do, we feel like nobody's judging or I feel that, you know, I go into the woods and nobody's judging me. I like go hiking into places where I don't, see many people you know and I think a lot of people do that as well and so and then through those movements that's what I understand how I understood our conversation you know we kind of reconnect uh, downwards into our feet into our existence almost yeah is that a little bit what you're trying to more and more incorporate in people's lives and you know kind of waking up to that or hmm. no, I, I i love that because it is that opportunity to drop down you know everything mm -hmm. is so upregulated in our lives and i think culturally we're taught to sort of mentally figure things out and um you know, ruminate over things. And so to be able to go into a place where you feel safe, you feel like you can actually be yourself and then you are in your feet. I mean, the ankles, the new understanding about the connective tissues around the ankles is such that there's mil, uh, not millions, there's thousands of nerve endings in this specialized tissue around the ankle. Mm -hmm it's not meant to tie down the tendons like I was taught in PT school. Yeah. Uh -huh. So the specialized tissue around the ankle and the heel that goes into the plantar fascia actually is a feedback loop to our nervous system. Mm. And so why not? It's yeah. been there and utilize that intelligence and play, be, be a kid again, running around on the rocks and, hugging a tree and crawling around in the, you know, whatever it is for you, like really explore and, and, and extend yourself, you know, if you, if uh, and, and if we are using, like you would said, you know, like when you were young, you, you, you worked six days, like math, so you can get six days in nature. And I totally relate to that, but, uh, how would you say can we shift this kind of disproportional engagement um, with nature so it it feeds us more in our day-to-day -day life? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to take some routine or practice 
you know, awareness is such a global term word, but I really like the word felt sense. And that, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the felt sense of what it is to be in your feet during the day. What is it felt ah. sense when you are at a desk all day and to stand, like how to stand, not correctly, not in postural alignment, but what do you feel when you stand and do you have five minutes to look out a window or if you have buildings all around you figure out maybe you have a a picture on the wall that's your like the ocean or the forest to get the eyes sort of find something else to relax into and feel your feet feel your spine feel the reset of what we're doing all day which is up and out looking at a screen mental activity PET scans show blood activity is where things go. And so in the neural world, you know, they're mapping the brain. Mm. Well, that same blood, if it's being used all day, like you and I on the screen, mm. our feet are paying for it. And so I think yeah. there's got to be ways to counter the normal, whatever you're doing and going back to what, um, you know, is being said, it's not a dysfunction. It's just a, how do we change your ad- adaptations of use? Yeah. So dancing is another good one. You know, put your earbuds in and go out on the on the balcony and just rock out for a few minutes and bounce around. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Most people can relate to that, you know, instead of kind of always doing the awareness thing, the self-improvement thing. But we are on our feet. Right. And it only takes a moment to shift our attention to arrive back into our feet and kind of let go of the like what I heard you saying you know like by the self-strangling self-regulation but allowing ourselves for a moment to arrive in who we truly are you know beautiful in ourselves and take your shoes off walk up you know the sensory aspect in the feet is not being utilized to the best potential and it has uh, the same representation in our brain as our hands our lips and our tongue so why not use that mm. sensory input and and nurture us i mean that's why we all love foot rubs right yes yeah, <laughs> there's another one another easy one listener foot rub get yourself it's, it's a partner foot rub circle <laughs> foot rub circle i love it right dance your heart out see with life be in your feet <laughs> yeah i anything you can do just to find yourself a little bit more yeah don't work so hard at it yeah i think that's the key that's the key yeah just be sensory aware and i think that's why a lot of people buy probably also those kind of shoes you know those um barefoot shoes Mm-hmm. kind of be more aware of how their feet are on the ground yeah or you could also get a, a nail bed footbed mm. <laughs> that would be <Yes>. intense <laughs> i do have one do you really yeah i do oh, wow. Wow. yeah but the one for beginners you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay 
Well, yeah. a little bit more of information for my listeners. <laughs> How kinky I can turn. Okay. Yeah, walk across your uh, your nail platform where you're. But yeah, there's so many options that be creative and and trust what your feet yeah. need and just reconnecting. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you again, Sean. I feel like uh, you, you, you're going to return in season three. <laughs> I love, but, I love uh, our conversations. It's uh, yeah, so do I. It's really inspiring. Anything you want to uh, finish with? Maybe I hand you the last word. Inside, to will. I would say being in touch with the body. And the feet are such an intimate part of ourselves that even taking your own hand and making contact with your feet, the body knows something. And if you can just allow the mind to drop back out of its normal routine and just feel, which is not easy. But I think that the moments that we have to feel ourselves that aren't in a demanding situation can maybe enough tonic and medicine to help someone daily. So, yeah. Wonderful. yeah re- reconnect into the body and let the mind sort of be the, the, just the feeler of that, of what the body's amazement can do. I do, yeah, it's kind of one last story, maybe if you have a moment. It reminds sure. me of um, how my, my Ayurvedic teacher told me about her teacher who would kind of very easily sit on the floor, you know, like Indians do. And, um, but he was rubbing his feet throughout every kind of, classes and lectures and conversations they had you know and he was referring to that as and it makes totally sense um to to really if you tend to the feet a your hips stay loose you know so and through your hips your whole body kind of tolerates the, the balance and kind of does its own work including the diaphragm and secondly is to land in your feet we say in Ayurveda, you have to activate Panavayu, downward force in you, you know, everything that goes down and out and through you. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like it's based feet is in the feet, you know, as much as in, you know, the, the lower abdomen and in the large intestine, but somehow that is related, you know, so to activate through the, the platform, you know, to activate the wind and then... Yeah. It feels yeah. like you can land again in your life. Yeah. yeah. And be very limber as well, you know? Oh, right. I mean, that's yeah. that, that you, you bring up a really good point. I think the feet are one of those places where we regain our fluidity and our ability to move in the world. Hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And that gets sort of blocked up, shoes, everything else, you know, and, and, yeah, the, the, there is a relationship. You know, I said the knees are the diaphragm. Well, the ankles are the pelvis. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The pubic bone is the collarbone. So the, mm. 
you know, the thighs or the heart and the lungs. So you can kind of map this out uh, mm. in terms of some of the relationships that the leg have to the torso. So it doesn't surprise me that he would play with his feet mm. and it would keep the circulation going in the pelvis so that he could sit. And that's, I think that's true for all of us. Like when we sit, yeah. we, we lose the circulation to the lower half. Mm. So that's cool. Well, I wanted to give you the last word and that was your last word. Yeah. Now, thank you for yeah. doing a quick analysis of that story. I love I it. I love the body. Yes, love the body, dear one. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, listener. Thank you so much for having me and thanks for your time listening. Yeah. It was a pleasure. Bye from here. <laughs>